Hi everyone, I'm Teresa Heal, and I want to thank Chris Platty for talking about Young Living Essential Oils. So I'm going to talk about a few of them myself. We have Thieves Essential Oil, and it supports a healthy immune function and may contribute to overall wellness when taken as a supplement, which is our Thieves Vitality line. We have Peppermint. It's fresh and energizing. You can diffuse it in the room while you're studying to improve your concentration, which is great. Then we have lemon, which also aids in concentration. Especially wonderful aid for children who are struggling with school or have learning challenges. Those are just a few. So if you have any questions, contact TeresaHeal at Comcast.net. T-H-E-R-E-S-A-H-E-A-L at Comcast.net. Thanks. Have a great day. And thanks, Chris. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and pretty much, as always, is my go-to basketball guy, Akil. Akil, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. What you been up to? Not much, man. Just kicking back, watching some NBA basketball, some draft lottery, you know, uh, catching up on some albums that dropped. A lot of albums have dropped recently, um, so I've been kind of staying busy with that. And, uh, yeah. Just kind of, just kind of kicking it, enjoying this summer. My online class is about to start this week, so there's that as well. So, kind of just a bunch of things keeping me busy. What about you, man? Um, uh, man, just uh, work, chilling. Not really much going on in my life right now. So, <laughs> it's been a pretty relaxing summer to say the least. That's dope. That's dope. Uh, you're not taking any online classes? Hell no. <laughs> this is my first one, actually. My first online class and my first summer class. I've ever done but uh yeah I was just told by my advisor they're like look this is a three-hour class or you can do it over the summer and not do a three-hour a week class like shit. so I'm like sold and asked me twice yeah exactly exactly um but all right so uh this pod's gonna be a little bit different uh we're not just gonna talk the NBA playoffs we're also gonna go through all the coaching changes that have happened so far track you give you the very latest up-to-date uh, information on all the coach searches that are going on around the league because it is a it is a frenzy right now it is it is like the free agency of coaches right now it's insane so um you want to jump into coaches first yeah let's do it all right so um there were a lot of firings across the league there were a lot of vacancies opened up so within this within just this off season um all there were there was um atlanta uh, Charlotte, Detroit, Memphis, Milwaukee, New York, uh, Orlando, Phoenix, and uh, Toronto. 
that have all vi- ha- that have all fired or mutually parted ways with their coach. Um, damn. Da- damn near a third of the league, uh, <laughs> which is just unprecedented. Um, this is a this is the biggest coaching. Uh, this is one of the biggest coaching markets in NBA history right now. Um, so, so some of the some of the ones that stood out to me, of course, there's Dwayne Casey, there's um, there's Dave Van Gundy, Detroit. Those were interesting. Uh, Mike Boonholzer, you kind of seen that one coming with him not really wanting to get involved in it. Atlanta Hawks rebuild, um, and he didn't really seem compliant of that. Uh, Dave Van Gundy, the situation in Detroit was that Gores wanted him to coach out the last year of his contract, but remove the president status. And Stan Van Gundy didn't want that. He wanted to both or none. So um, Gore's, I I mean they mutually parted ways is what I is what I understand. But Gore's fired him so that Stan could collect his check because um, there seems to still be uh, a good amount of respect there between Stan Van Gundy and the organization, um, despite the the underachieving uh, resume or the underachieving era of Stan Van Gundy. And the Dwayne Casey one was shocking to me as well. You know, fired after seven seasons in Toronto where he, where he racked up the most wins as a coach in Raptors history, including this past season's franchise best 59 wins. Akil, um, you know, I could go through all of them. What, what's a team you want to start with talking about? Obviously, let's start with, uh, let's start with uh, good old Toronto because that's the most. Yeah. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni came out and said it's laughable. All right, so where are you at on the Dwayne Casey? I'm right there with um, I'm right there with D'Antoni. I think I know you're on the other side of this. Yeah, but I I don't get it. I really don't. It makes zero sense to me. I understand you like keep underachieving in the playoffs and yeah, but you win plus fifty games almost every season. And yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't get over the hump to beat LeBron, but like. How many how many Eastern teams have in the last eight years? That's oh wait, oh wait, none. Point. Oh wait, yeah, none. <laughs> Literally, none. Maybe, maybe one, and we'll get into that later in the pod. Oh, but, okay. Nice tease. Uh, yeah, like none have gotten over the hump, and I mean, look, it's he's a great coach. Like he flipped that system around completely. Honestly, it just made no sense to me. It was laughable. Like I didn't get it at all. Okay, so allow allow me to paint the uh, allow me to make the case for why it was a fire because I don't think you're out of line. I don't think anyone's saying that case he shouldn't have been fired is out of line because the resume speaks for itself. He's the winningest coach in Raptors history. He coached up to a season franchise best fifty nine wins in the first year of a new system. You know, so so that's another big thing too is that he totally changed his whole style this off season or last off season. And in the first year of what was a new system in Toronto, they they had their franchise best season with 59 wins. And that was only the first season. Like, you know, you, you could have stuck it out another year or two and, you know, seen maybe there's even more improvement. Maybe these players get even better in this in the system. Um, but here's the here's the thing. So it's. It, it's it's really it comes down to with Dwayne Casey it comes down to how um, it comes down to how they played in the playoffs like you said and the thing is is that they've they underachieved and they underachieved bad throughout Dwayne uh, Dwayne Casey's tenure 
and with like they should not have been. We talked about that series, right? We talked about that series coming into it. There was no way Toronto should have been swept. Toronto was the better team, the the better team on on paper, the more talented team. And remember, we said we said remove LeBron James' name and move and remove Toronto's name from this series, and you're picking Toronto to win this series every time. So Toronto came in with such an advantage. They had home court advantage. They had everything going for them, and they still got swept. Now, I get that two games were close, but you could see that. And, and in the way game four, when uh, when the players just didn't show up, when the players just didn't show up, that showed that that the coach had lost the locker room and that this was the end of the end and they had to move on. And the thing is, the thing is with Toronto's situation is he also did the bench DeRozan thing, which when you bench your star player, that's the end of the end. We just seen it this year with Fisdale right like that's that's the last little move where it's like all right i know this is over i know this run is over but this is my just back against the wall last chance to win kevin McHale did it in houston and the only reason he got another year is because houston came back from 3-1 um against against the clippers but i mean that that is a move that when you bench your star player that is a that is the sign of death for a coach um, that is the sign of the end of the era. So all the signs pointed to that. The underachieving, the benching of DeRozan, the way they just came out flat in game four with no effort was was that that showed that. And and the reason why you had why you had to fire Dwayne Casey, the biggest reason when I look at it, is that that Toronto team, that Toronto core is so locked in for the next few years that Something had to change, right, with Toronto. Like, I, I, think, I mean, maybe you disagree with me on that. Uh, but I think something in Toronto had to change. And with that core being locked up for multiple years, this was, this was, the, this was the, the easier way to, uh, to move. Uh, I you, get that. But, like, ahead. you have so much money tied in with these guys that the easiest change would be to make would be a coach, of course. But it's just like, what coach can you go up from here? It's not like I just don't know. Like, yeah, well, the, the the knock with see, and here's why I think this is also a good timing for Toronto because because Dwayne Casey has done a great job developing a lot of these young guys and and making these fringe players work um, and these and these prospects just developing them and. The the thing is is and I think Stan Van Gundy suffered the same fate in Detroit was that he did a great job developing, but he wasn't the greatest in game coach. And I think now Toronto's at a point where and they've been at a point for the last two years now, three years now, where where it's about it's about in game coaches, it's about the playoffs. And and the developmental coaches, like as much as we as much as we love uh what Kenny's doing in Brooklyn um, if he's in the playoffs, he's not—he's not a great in-game tactician, and that's going to suffer. Like the developmental coaches, that's always the big—that's kind of the big fork in the road that that organizations have to face. Do we want a development style coach, or do we want a a tactical in-game coach? And a tactical in-game coach will maximize the current roster. Um, but if you're on the path, if you're on the path to building, you want the developmental coach like Brooklyn. But if Brooklyn was in the playoffs somehow. They would not be. They would be underachieving as well, not just because of their lack of talent, but because of 
the style of coaching. I think Dwayne Casey was he was he was a happy medium because the team was experiencing success, but he wasn't that great at in-game playoff adjustments, and I think that's what hurt them. And Toronto's now in in a situation where they need where they've developed their core, they've developed their they've even developed a lot of the surrounding pieces, a lot of the supporting cast. So now they're in a position where if they get the right tech like tactician head coach that can really make those great in-game adjustments and game-to-game changes, um, then I think Toronto's I think Toronto's ceiling gets higher, um, and, and so I think I think this was the right time for Toronto to do it. As bad as it sounds, because Dwayne Casey could win Coach of the Year. Oh, were you expecting me to fill in? Oh yeah, no, yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm with that. I can see why. My biggest question is what coach could you get to, like, step up and take, expect you to make that next push in the East? Because it's like, unless you see, like, I just don't get what better coach you could get. I get you. I get you. The, 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 I get you. It's very hard to, there, there, there's not really anyone. I mean, I like a lot of coaches that are on the market, but I don't know if I like them a lot over Dwayne Casey. That's my thing, because like Fizz is already locked up. He's yeah. in New York. Like, I just, and this is the thing that could happen too. You get that next coach, and then you underachieve completely more, and maybe you're not even a one seed, and you're a seven seed, mm-hmm. which very well could happen because it's Toronto. You just don't know. Like, yeah. Um. It, well, to to go off Toronto since we're talking Toronto already. Um. The, the, it's now kind of it's now kind of linked that um, both the Bucks and the Raptors have Mike Boonholzer, the former Atlanta Hawks coach, as their lead candidate. Um, do you like Mike Boonholzer? I mean, who do you like for Toronto? I like Bud a lot. I do too. I think but I he, like Bud a lot for the Bucks too. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I I think he's I think he's the number one coach on the market right now. Of course he is. He's a pop guy. If yeah. you if you coach for pop, you're the number one coach on the market anywhere. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think he could do something. I think he could maybe he would have the best shot at doing something with Toronto in my eyes. Yeah, um, as far as installing a true system and that type yeah. of stuff. And and I mean they already fit the they already fit the the thing is the thing has always been is that Toronto's a team that really and a lot of people have made this case in defense of Toronto's playoff history is that they never really have like the best player in a series. Like they play they played the Wizards, they played, you know, they played the Cavs, like they played teams where they don't have the best where they don't have the best player. And we always talk about how stars are what really matter in the playoffs. Um so so there's been that argument, but Boonholzer is a guy who really maximizes the the talent of a um, of a quote unquote star superstarless team. Um, I really see him as being able to maximize uh, DeRozan, maximize Lowry very well. So I w- I would love to see him in uh, I would love to see him in Toronto. Uh, I'd love to see him in Milwaukee as well. I think Boonholzer is just a fantastic coach or Detroit. <laughs> just throwing some names out there. I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him anywhere. Um, but uh, some other 
let's go through some other hirings and then we'll and then we'll kind of we'll we'll kind of talk about the current hirings and then we'll get into the rest of the speculation of like who's going where um so memphis hired bickerstaff long live the the annual the annual bickerstaff as interim uh as interim coach uh he did it in houston after ken McHale got fired and now he did it in memphis but they actually hired him brought him back as the new head coach do you like that move for memphis or what I mean, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, Memphis is in a situation where I don't know, I don't know what they what they need. You know, I don't I don't know what I don't know what coach is changing that situation. You know, unless Brad Stevens is on the market, I don't think anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, well, Brad Stevens is coming to Detroit. Ooh, okay. <laughs> but uh, no, um, yeah. I I I if. If there is, I said this on the SRD Sports Radio Detroit podcast. Um, This past this past weekend, yeah, check it out. SRD Detroit on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. Really dope podcast. I was on there Saturday for a few minutes, and I and I said I will organize. I will single handedly organize the the march to the march to Boston to grab Brad Stevens. I will organize the march. I will supply water. I will supply snacks. Let's do it. Let's rally the troops. Let's let's march to Boston and let's grab Brad Stevens. Get him in Detroit. For sure. <laughs> but no, uh, the Knicks. The Knicks hired Fizdale. Um, that was, yo. Is it that. is it crazy that the Knicks got the best coach on the market? Yeah. It's really crazy. Um, Making a productive move, but. Let's see if they allow that coach to coach. So we'll see. Yeah. Do do you think do you think Fizdale made the right move then taking New York? I would have. I would have I would have took Milwaukee. Milwaukee yeah. Giannis, dude. Like, how many times? How many times do you do you get in your life? To, how many opportunities in life do you get to coach a player of Giannis's caliber? Like never. <laughs> you have to. If if I'm Fizdale, you kind of have to take that opportunity, right? Yeah, you can't pass that up. Yeah, but I mean, Przingis is Przingis is nice too. We'll see. We'll see what Fizdale does in New York. Uh, I'm wishing him the best. It would be cool if New York was a stable and relevant organization again. I think it would be great for the NBA. So hopefully, Fizdale's the start of that. Um, the Hawks hired 76ers assistant Lloyd Pierce. Uh, the Hornets hired Spurs assistant. Uh, the next guy from the pop tree, James Borrego. Um, the Suns making making waves, hiring Igor Kokskov. I think is how you say. It. I don't know how to say it. I I honestly don't. Um, will be the first European-born head coach in the NBA. Um, which is surprising to me that he's the first European head co- European-born head coach in the NBA. I would have thought that with how many how many European coaches and just. Uh, just members of of front offices we have around the league that uh, this that he is the first European born head coach in the NBA, um, but you know I like that move for the Suns. I think he's a guy who will really um, get the most out of the the guards in in Phoenix. Uh, so I like that move, and you know Spur- the Suns are the Suns are doing well. They just won the draft lottery last night, so things are looking up for them. Um, any of those, any of those, uh, any of those outside of the outside Fizdale going to the Knicks excite you? 
Like, are you, are you high if on I any of those? To be honest, I'd honestly say no. But if I had to, if I had to pick one, um, um, the guy off the pop tree, James Barrigo. Yeah, going I like. Start. I was gonna say I I like that. Um, he's always had he's always had a good respect around the NBA. He's always had a good a good name. So I think he'll. I think it. I think he's definitely in a moment where um, this is this is a well deserved opportunity for him. And I think, I think the Hornets are a um, are a team that kind of fits San Antonio style, where they don't outside of Kemba, they don't really have a star. So they're they're kind of just like a a bunch of uh, uh, of system players. So I think if you so if you yeah, instill the right system around them to fit everything, then yes. yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you if you install the right system, I think you can get the most out of them, and uh, so that will be interesting. Um, but yeah, so so going to the spots left, so we have Detroit, who's vacant. We have uh, Toronto, which we talked about. We have Orlando firing Frank Vogel. Um, we didn't talk about that yet. Uh, we have Milwaukee. Yeah, so we have Detroit, Milwaukee, Orlando. And Toronto, which we already talked about, is vacant. Which of the three vacants we haven't talked about? Orlando, Milwaukee, Detroit is the most interesting. It's it's of course the Bucks, right? Oh, you're gonna say yeah, probably the Bucks. I mean, they have they have the biggest they have the biggest potential just based on the fact that they have Giannis. So True. I think so. I think it's the most impactful coaching search left in the in the NBA. Sure. Um, at this point. Uh, the Magic, they fired Frank Vogel. Um, so, I I don't. I would actually like to see a reunion and have Steve Clifford go to Orlando. Um, he was back there as an assistant under Stan Van Gundy back in the day during the Dwight Howard era. I thought Steve Clifford has been an excellent coach so far in the NBA. Um, so I would love to see him get another opportunity there. I think that would make the most sense. Um, and Milwaukee, I would love to see, I would, I would love to see, um, Budenholzer. Uh, I think Budenholzer should go to Detroit, Milwaukee, or Toronto. Any one of those three, I'd be really happy to see them in. Um, I, you know who I really like as, uh, as a coach who I've heard a lot of good things about. Um, who's on the market is uh, the Spurs assistant Ator Messina. I've heard a lot of good things about him. He coached uh, he coached San Antonio during the uh, when Pop left uh, for personal reasons um, in the playoffs this past season uh, in the first round. So I like I don't know I I kind of seen him. He he looked he looked like I mean he looked like for a guy stepping into his first coaching opportunities in the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors. He looked prepared, he looked ready, he looked good. I like him. Same. Um Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. Let's talk Detroit. Of course. <laughs> Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. Um Parted ways. Yeah, do you like do you think this was the right move for Detroit. I think it's the right move because Detroit is Detroit, and they make the wrong move at the wrong time every single time. So they have to keep on brand. So good for them. I hate your Detroit shade so much. 
but it's so accurate I can't even argue it. Um, no, I I said this I said this on, on social media, and I was and it's something that I, that I feel more and more about as I as I look at this. There's a lot of good coaches left, so it's not the worst timing in the world. But you're entering the most competitive coaching market, and like arguably in NBA history, like after and you're doing it after the lead candidate David Fisdale has already been signed to another to another uh, or has already been hired so their timing was just to me it was it was terrible if they were going to do it they should have done it two weeks ago three weeks ago like before before any coaches were off the market um now now granted there are still some great coaches there's Dwayne Casey there's Mike Budenholzer um are they really going to be smart enough to get those two they're gonna try. I, I think it's the other way around. I think it's do those guys want to coach in Detroit? Well, it's both. That's my point. It's a combination of them being smart enough, and then them not even like, why should we come to Detroit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. It. I mean, the lead. Pisses are the most. Pisses are not even to say. Not even because they're the pisses. They are one of the most. Um, interesting coaching candidates uh, or coaching searches left because they're also overhauling their front office as well. Um, but I'm not liking what I'm hearing out of out of the, these reports. Uh, it looks like they're going after David Griffin for the GM spot. I really like that. I think David Griffin's a, a, a good GM, a good front office executive. Oh, phenomenal GM. Yeah, I would love to see that happen. Um, uh, head coach, who do you like? they're linked to Jerry Stackhouse and look I respect Jerry Stackhouse get buckets man I I loved uh I loved watching him play I still watch his highlights sometimes I love his game but he's awesome in 2k as well he's awesome in 2k as well side note but no I don't want he gets buckets in 2k he does but I don't want him I don't want him as a coach oof dude you're, you're telling me, him? That all-time Pistons team, by the way, is so fire. You got you got Stackhouse and Rip off the bench as the two guards for Joe uh, Joe Dumars starting. Dude, don't get me started. That that team is dope. Um, well, I feel like the Pistons are super cheesy, so whoever they bring into the coast will have some ties with Detroit. Yeah, just to bring money into like Stack, maybe Chauncey. I don't think Chauncey wants to be a head coach, though. He'd rather be a GM or basketball operations guy. Yeah, but but here's my thing with that is like, I, I don't I I've never been a fan of that move because because yeah, it works for the honeymoon period, but at the end of the day, you know what's gonna put fans butts and seats is winning games, and you know what's gonna win you games getting a good coach, not getting as a nostalgic coach. How many? After game after twenty games in the season, nobody's gonna come just to watch Chauncey Billups uh, or Jerry Stackhouse talk on the sideline. Exactly. They're gonna judge them by wins, and so that's why you gotta get to me one of the good coaches. Uh, so who do you who do you really like as a coaching candidate for Detroit? Um, honestly, with all that being said, I do think Stack could be a decent coach. Uh, I don't like that. I don't. I, just, I don't want. I don't want his first job to be with us. I just think that he'd be good as in the sense that he's like a player's coach. He'd be able to relate to players pretty well. 
Yeah. Like, he'd be a personable guy for sure. And maybe that's what Detroit needs. Uh, yeah. Because guys like Andre Drummond and stuff, they seem to be more of a fan of the player coach than the than the coach coach. You know? Um more of the more of the, a fan of the player of the player coach than like the tactical coach or the yeah maybe uh Monty Williams I think. Monty Williams would be cool um I think he's a solid coach but I think the Pistons should go for Mike Boonholzer do you like Dwayne Casey in Detroit or do you think that's not a good look for Detroit uh, no I like him he's a good coach yeah uh, I'm I'm with you uh, but to me, it kind of be weird because like the whole reason he's fired is because he can't get over LeBron and then he's going to a team that's in the same division as LeBron. Well, maybe not for long, but Ooh. <laughs> yeah, you We're like shadowing. that. All right. You want to jump into some NBA playoffs? Let's jump into some Let's NBA some playoffs because that's a good segue. Do we want to go East or West? Well, obviously East since you said LeBron. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's go east. Uh, All right. Celtics go up 2-0. Uh, we got four game or we got four days for the before the next game. Um, so you know all the think pieces are going to be going on all we over the four? place. Yeah, we got four. Damn it, man. Yeah, it's going to be a long break between game three. That's why I kind of hoped that the Cavs won it, just so that we didn't hear for for the next four days are the Cavs doomed. Um, so, Akil, I'll ask you that very same question. Are the Cavs doomed right now? I, I don't want to say yes. But, mm. I mean, I don't want to say no, but, like, I don't know, man. It's weird. I think the Celtics could still find a way to blow a gamer here or there. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't think they will blow a game here or there. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is my thing. I think realistically, of course, you want to win every game on the road, but like, and you can win every game at home. I think if they steal one of these games on the road, they win the series. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's, here's, my, here's my philosophy with Boston is that Brad Boston is a really good coach. Yeah. Brad Stevens is a really good coach. Uh, get the hot, get the hot takes ready. Get the, yeah. the hot takes are coming, but, uh, no, Brad Stevens is a great coach, but my thing with my thing with Boston is you look at that roster and because of their injuries, this team is made up of a lot of role players. And so like guys like Marcus Smart and stuff, like they play a thousand times better at home than they do on the road. And I think that to me is a, a huge difference maker. Uh that to me is a huge difference maker and the Cavs team the same could be said about them. Outside of LeBron, it's a bunch of and Kevin Love. It's a, outside of LeBron and Kevin Love. It's a bunch of role players. The stereotype role players play better at home, and conversely, worse on the road. So, with Boston's team being made up of a lot of role players and Cleveland's team being made up of a lot of role players, I think home court matters in this series. And I think we've seen that with Boston by their one in four record on the road so far in the playoffs this year. They're one and four in the, on the road. Yeah, they, they do not like road at all. Yeah, yeah, they don't. It's the only reason that Milwaukee series went seven. They were clearly the better team than Milwaukee, but they couldn't play on the road. And they've been amazing at home, so so it was very important that they held home. Um, so I could definitely see this series going 2-2, two, two, back to 
back to Boston for Game 5. That's my I could, point. I think it could stretch 7 and then Boston wins in 7. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you trust... Okay, if the series goes 2-2, two, two, if if Cleveland... If what I say comes true, the role players in Cleveland, Kyle Korver hits more threes... Uh, well, there's going to be the one a... game where basically everybody, all the shooters on Cleveland hits their shots. So they'll hit like 18 yeah. threes and they'll win that game. Yeah, and J.R. Smith hits more than zero <laughs> points. <laughs> and J.R. Smith hits that step back three from 40 feet, that big yep. shot with zero seconds left on the shot clock. It's like, all right, fuck it. It's not our night. We're not winning this. Cool. Should J.R. Should JR have gotten a flag nerd too? Huh? Should J.R. have gotten a flag nerd too? Yeah. For that push on Horford. I'm with yeah. you, 100%. That is the, you know, there's the whole narrative. I think a lot of the Flagner, the, the Flagner reviews are overdone. Yeah. Um, But that's one, you push a person in air who's defenseless. No, that's, that's not uh, cool. Can we have not a, cool a Horford appreciation moment for a couple seconds? Go for it. We could do a couple hours if you want. Yo, that dude is good. Like, yeah. he is really good at basketball. Like, He's phenomenal. Like for a guy to for him to be like your really only true vet on your team. Yeah, that guy's really, really good offensively and defensively. Now, like he used to never be good at defense. Like, yeah, like, he used to be bad at defense. Like, His fourth quarter, dude, was incredible. Oh no, he was amazing that whole game last night, dude. I could not believe that when I watched when I looked at the final box score. That he only had fifteen, I swear, like fifteen and fifth, he scored all. He must have scored all his points in the fourth. Like, Pretty much, and, and the way, thing, the way I he was getting steals and blocks. Go, sorry, go ahead. Another thing I will say about this team in general, they might not have a bunch of like star players to raise their ceiling. But they have a bunch of really smart players that raises their floor a lot because, like, I mean, sure, like the star player can get you like up into that next level, like. But the thing with them is they do have a ton of smart guys who know what they're really good at, so they don't play outside of their role and like what they're good at. So, like, let's say like Marcus Smart, for instance, like I'm gonna shoot my open three if I have to. I'm gonna play defense. Like that's all I have to do. But yeah. if you have a bunch of players who know what they're really good at and they only do that, your chances of winning, like, increase, like, maybe 10 15%. Because <laughs> they're only going to do what they're good at and they're not going to do anything outside of their role to be a detriment to their team. So if you have a bunch of guys like that, it does help your chances out of winning, too. And also, Jason Tatum looks like a seven-year, like, vet in the NBA right now. That dude's, like, ridiculous. So does Jalen Brown, dude. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> incredible dude i i am seriously like i'm seeing it every time and it's crazy that it's crazy like that at this point we should expect tatum and brown to play well every game but i'm still just amazed every time i watch them play like i can't get it out of my head how good these guys are at such a young age it's incredible it's incredible what do you do next year what do you do next year do you start tatum at the two yeah. Yeah. I, 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 wow. I mean, wow, dude. I mean, they're going to have crazy lineups. They're going to have. Honestly, gonna... a lineup that I would like for them a lot would be Kyrie, Jalen Brown, then 
Gordon, Jason Tatum, and Al Horford. So you have like those three. Oh, players. that's that's definitely their closing lineup next year. Oh my god, that's such a monstrous lineup. That's filthy, dude. That's filthy. Those three wings out there that can basically switch everything. And then oh And all god. those guys are twenty point per game getters. Like oh that's crazy. God. That plus you have Kyrie, Al Horford. With with Gordon, Jason, and uh Jalen, are you kidding me? Oh, dude. That is an insane That's team. filthy. Man, I, I wish they I wish they had I wish they had their full team. But I'm I'm the real question is, does Terry Rozier be smart and take less money at Boston or get that big contract and never be good again in the NBA? I think he'll be I think he'll be solid wherever he goes. I just don't think he'll he'll live up to whatever contract he signs. Yeah, that's I mean, okay, he'll be solid, but I mean like you know what yeah. I like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um If I yeah. was him, I honestly would say take less money and stay in Boston. Because obviously it's a good situation for you. Like, it'd be a great backcourt guard, like, just a backup point guard. Like, if Terry Rozier playing this level as your backup point guard, you have a really good backup point guard. Like, Yeah. You have 48 minutes of great point guard play. Exactly. Like, you're not going to miss a beat at the point guard spot. And I wish some point guards were smarter. Well, some players. Like, sure, you want your payday, you want your payday. Like, I get it. Like, $150 million. I mean... It's not like okay, 150 million and 50 million is like there's a big difference. Like, of course, it's 100 million dollars. Yeah. But like, once you're making 40 million, like, I'm sure you're fine. Like, you won't miss that extra hundred. Plus, <laughs> I mean, like, you plus you could make that up with whatever deals you have going on outside if you can market yourself well. It's just like I hate seeing guys that leave too early. Because they have that good breakout year and they sign that big contract somewhere else and you never hear about them whatsoever again. Big example of that was uh, Darren Williams with the Jazz when they were really good with Jerry Sloan, that Darren Williams, yeah, Carlos Boozer, pick and roll, pick and pop stuff. Like, Darren Williams was phenomenal with that team. Like, they were saying he was this, they were arguing him and Chris Paul, Chris Paul 1A, 1B for like three years and then he takes that deal at Brooklyn and then you never hear about him again basically yeah exactly man um I think we're getting off on a tangent here talking about the future of Boston let's just talk right now in this series um game two uh when LeBron started off with with 19 19 in the first less than 10 minutes I was just like I I was just like wow this is going to be I immediately had flashes of 2013 uh, in Boston, that game six, yeah. All right, well, it was game six, right? Or yeah. was it game five? Game yeah, six. something like that. And, uh, wow, dude, he was, I was just like, wow. And then I think Corver hit two threes in that quarter as well, and I was like, oh, this is, this is the game Cleveland gets. This is the game where LeBron plays well and the role players play just enough, and Cleveland's going to win this game. But, I didn't think that Boston was going to respond to the punch that well. Yeah, they responded. They they responded totally cool and cool. like. I I get that they've been doing this all year, so at this point we shouldn't be shot. We shouldn't but you be, still shocked, have to be but, shocked because they're a bunch of rookies playing winning basketball and winning in the playoffs. Yeah, in the playoffs. against LeBron. Yeah, yeah. It it's it's honestly it's it's incredible the way the way Boston was able to fight back and win this game and still win it. They they won it by 
right double digits if i'm not mistaken i i don't remember the final score off the top of my head but um but they had a double digit lead pretty much mostly throughout the fourth um oh they only ended up winning by oh they did win by double digits they won by 13 okay um yeah i just i don't we, i don't know we man think that they can i think that they can find a way to win one on the road i really do i do too um, and I think if they do win one on the road, I think they win the series because I do not trust oh, yeah. LeBron's team. Yeah, I know LeBron's come back down from three one before against much better opponents. Okay, and this had, is what I want to say about. But he had that. a much better team. He had a thank you. Like you had Kyrie everything. Like he's not there anymore. Yeah, he's not. Like I'm sorry. Like your your background is a bunch of guys who don't want to play basketball. Apparently, like. I just think if they win one on the road, Boston wins a series and they go into the championship. And I, yeah, man. So, so what's your prediction? Or what's your what's your prediction for the next two games? You think it comes? What? Do you, where do you think it's this series is at? Game five. Game five. I think it's gonna be three one Boston. Wow. You think they're gonna get a game? You think I, you think they get game four? I think, I think Cleveland gets game three because they'll go wild. Yeah, and then I think Boston will respond well, and they'll get Game Four. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still going two two. I think Cleveland's going to find a way to win this. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I, I want to see. I, I want to see how Boston plays in Cleveland for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, we've seen we've seen them play. You know, like they played well against Philly, but with Philly. It's a totally different mind state because Boston knows Boston's like we're young, Philly's young, you know, like we're we're even like we're we're one of the very few uh we're one of we're we're what this is one of the few teams in the playoffs that we're more experienced than. So, like Boston Boston had has a little bit more seasoning than barely, but they have a little bit more seasoning than Philly. So so they so they were able to come in confidently, but like Against LeBron James, now I know they've said this and they they play like they're not afraid of LeBron so far. It's going to be a whole other world when you go to Cleveland and those role players start hitting shots. It's going to be a whole other world for them. Um, and Ke- you know what, Kevin Love too. Also, Kevin Love played well in this. In this yeah, game. he needs more credit, man. That dude, like, what do you want him to do besides get twenty and ten? Like, that's basically yeah. what you need the guy to do. And usually, if he gets twenty and ten, it's a W, and they're losing. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't even know what's going on with the series. It's it's weird. Well, let's go to the other series that's already over. Golden <laughs> State and Houston. Oh, if we call it sweep, we called on we called on the pod. Remember, we called four or five. I called five. You called four. I think. I I think I call five as well. Oh, okay. I'll I'll, I'll go back and check the archives, but I think if yeah. they also, I think if Golden State wins game two, I think it's a sweep. Oh yeah, I'm with you. This this Houston team is still got Harden and Chris Paul. So at the end of the day, this is a team that will pack it in if if Golden State gets a jump on them. Dude, it's just that they're so predictable, Houston, and what they they do. ran a hundred possessions of ISO ball. It, it was insane. Literally, like it was like run, set one pick, get the switch, and yeah. then you dribble the ball for twenty seconds. And if you don't get anything, you'd pass it to somebody to get them a bailout shot. Like, that was their offense. 
Dude, and, and it's crazy how simple that offense is, but still how good it is. Like, they, they still hung 100 on the Warriors playing iso ball the entire well, game. Well, this is my thing. That that game beats 28 teams in the NBA. Yeah, it does. It doesn't beat the 29th team, which is Golden State. Right, 100%. I was saying the same thing. That beats every other team in the league. Like, and this is the thing, like, Golden State wants you to do that. Like, yeah, it's like right in the game plan. It's like, and the other thing is, it's like you can't beat a team going one on five. Like literally, four guys stand in place with their hands on their shorts, just chilling. Like they might as well not be on the floor. Right. That that's the thing. And and you know what? And and you know what? I I knew this game. I knew this game was not going to go in the in the Rockets' favor when I about about like a couple minutes in the second quarter when they were still just doing nothing but iso ball. I was like, wow, are they really going to do iso ball the entire game? And that's you could tell you could tell by the way they played too, because like look at look at how the role players shot. Ryan Anderson like airballed. Uh Eric Gordon, uh I think he airballed as well or he like he like hit nothing but the backboard on a three. Like these were some bad misses. And you know why those misses were so bad? Because, they because there was the no rhythm. Until five seconds left in the shot clock. Right. And there was no rhythm there's in no, the offense. There's no rhythm, there's no flow, you don't feel a basketball. Like the thing is, like I saw it happen five times in a row. James or C P would get that switch. And if they don't have anything, they dribble the ball around for twenty seconds of a shot clock and it's like, Oh shit, I have nothing. Let me pass it to this dude and like try to get something going for him. And it's like, you gave me the ball with five seconds on a shot clock. Like, let me shoot this shot that's going to miss. Like, yeah. Exactly. And this is my thing, too. I don't get it. Why do they keep attacking Draymond Green on switches? Like, they'll get him to switch out. And then it's just like, all right, let me attack this. I got this switch. And it's just like, it's not going to work. Like, it's. <laughs> It's not going to work. Like, they go small because they want you to do that. Like, and they keep playing right into Golden State's hands. Like, because every long miss goes to a rebound and then they're out the other way and it's a fast break. There's two things that are consistent about a a, a Chris Platty and a, and a Kill Hollingsworth podcast. It's that, one, the Pistons will be mentioned, and two, Draymond Green will be praised. It is <laughs> I'm here for Draymond Green praise 24-7. 24-7. And also, I think... But I'm with you on that. I, all jokes aside, I'm with you. You don't attack Draymond. Also, the other thing is, um, for me, uh, the big thing I did want to talk about was uh, Steph Curry. He didn't have the best game. But the dude, like, it honestly shows you like the, the difference between him and other players in the NBA. Like, name a star point guard in the NBA who would be that willing to take a back seat and be like, you know what, I don't have it. I'll give this ball to Kevin Durant and I'll go set back screens for, like, every other play on my team that aren't being set for me. Yeah, I'm with you. He played He played literally a true point guard game. Like, if you want a true point guard game, it's just like, here, let me get my 15 points, my 8 assists, and go set screens. And it's like, yo, like, they attacked him on switches and, like, sure, you can always say he's not a good defender. But, like, at least the dude tries. Like, yeah. I will appreciate your effort of trying on defense. Like, James Harden literally just let guys go by him for nothing. Like, at least he puts in effort and tries on defense. Right. Right, dude. So, Curry going pure point 
And so Curry not really contributing that much offensively, plus Harden going crazy efficient. I mean, shout out to James Harden. Look, uh, we, we can poke the flaws in his game, but he had an amazing game. He had an incredible game. He took the number, he took, he took the Golden State Warriors monster defense and he shot an efficient, a very, very efficient 44 points. Like that is insane. Um, he played extremely well in my eyes um outside of outside of the defense but offensively he played extremely well um but dude you know what was crazy was was Kevin Durant man like I looked at the box score and I'm still not convinced he missed that many shots yeah same everything looked like it was just going in for him it was insane dude it was it was really really insane to watch KD just get post up after post up bucket after bucket I mean, they literally had nobody that could guard him to the point where I was saying on the bench, give Joe Johnson a shot, man. At least he's big. At least he's big enough to get a hand up there. Yeah. Like, truthfully, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I get that nobody can really guard uh, can really guard KD outside of, like, the elites, like Kawhi, LeBron, Anthony Davis, like, those freaks of nature, like Giannis. Like, I get that those are the guys that can guard that that are like the only people in the league that can guard uh well, this KD. Be, if they start double teaming, then it's just gonna leave all those other ridiculous shooters open. Yeah. Then you're leaving open the greatest shooting backcourt in NBA history. And yeah. that doesn't seem like a good formula for winning. And I said it too, uh I love when the Warriors go small because it helps KD out so much in the sense of like there's five guys on the floor who all can make plays as far as being playmakers. Mm-hmm. But then there's four guys on the floor who are looking to make plays for one specific guy named Kevin Durant. So he has a perfect world, perfect setup in his whole life. He doesn't have to do much to get his own shots. Yeah. And the thing that was most ridiculous for me, they have one cat in the like one ace in the hole. They didn't run it at all the first game. I don't know if they will. They ran zero Steph Curry, Kevin Durant pick and rolls. Yeah. The zero. whole game. None. That's or, crazy that that's their run, strongest they weapon no and they Steph don't even Curry. use they it. They ran no Steph Curry, Draymond pick and rolls as well. They didn't run any Steph, Draymond pick and rolls either? None. Wow, that is incredible. You know, and, and, and I think this series is, can be summed up by, in, in basically in basically one sentence, is that, like, I was breaking it down, I was watching, I was watching it with my friend who doesn't really watch basketball, and so she was just like, she was just like, wow, like, this is a good game. And, and I was like, I was like, Golden State's going to win like, ha- like a few minutes into second. And I think Houston still had the lead and she was like, what, but like Houston's been winning all game. I'm like, but just look at the way this game is being played. Like what's like, what is the more like, like it's so much easier to, when you're getting points off of cuts and off of ball movement than off of just isolation. One's good at one, one style of play is go- the ball movement style of play is going to hold up. The ISO ball is not going to hold up for 48 minutes. And that ended up being what it was. You like, can't beat this Golden State team ISOing for 48 minutes because that's what they want you to do physically. Is yeah. They have so many good defenders out there when they go small. We can get in your way and stop it. And, well, the thing is, too, is just like if you if James Harden has to go off to go, has to go off for 48 to win, cool, do it. Like, because you're going to lose. I'm sorry, you're going to lose. Like, if for James Harden to win this game, I swear he has to score 100 and something points. Right. Exactly. Exactly, right? Like, 
that's my thing is this is the greatest isolation team in in probably nba history outside of i think the warriors could be better if they wanted to be an iso team um but like literally houston is one of the best if not the best isolation team in nba history and even that even that they still couldn't win playing that way against golden state yeah golden state's just too good. Yeah, if gold if Houston wants to keep isoing, it's fine. But you just have to find ways to get more movement as far as players cutting, that type of stuff. Because if you have four players standing around the three point line and then one person isoing, you're not gonna win a game. Yeah, like I'm like, are any of the play like was Eric Gordon tired after that game? Probably not. He was probably chilling. He probably could have played yeah. a whole nother game. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was it was crazy how how slow the game was how grinded out the game was and yet like dude it, when it was, the score was, was like crazy. 50 something to 60 i think at the end of the first half i was just like yeah golden state's got this in the bag just watch this uh third quarter and yeah. it'll be a wrap then and sure enough sure enough it was yeah, shout out to Steph Curry for playing the most prototypical true point guard game of all time for all the people that say he's not one. Right, right. Um, so, are you convinced now that this is a sweep? Are you still are you still le- comfortable I still think with your five, five? Because Golden State's tendencies are once we know we can beat you, if we play our full strength, they'll fuck around and lose a game because they can. Because they're that good. So they'll fuck around and lose a game. Once they do that, it's just like, alright, let's Here's, here's my thing, though. They want to crush Houston. That's the other. That's the other coin side of the table. Is we want to beat these guys so badly that I can see them be focused for four full games of basketball and sweep them. Yeah, I would love to see it. That'd be really cool. I think if they win game two, it's a sweep though for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't know what people were thinking calling Rockets in six or seven to start this series. Yep. I never, I never, I all never year saw that. Whole season thought they had a real chance to beat Golden State. Ever. Remember, I said at that one pod, it was like, it was like, I think it was right before the playoffs. So it was like thirty percent chance max they beat they beat Golden State. Yeah, thirty percent like max. 15, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, like now it's been like it's it's probably like fifteen or like five or ten. Like, but yeah, you got to beat Golden State. The greatest team of all time, four times in the next six games. Good luck with that. Good luck. Good luck with that. All right, man. All right, yeah, let's wrap this up. Uh, we talked a lot of playoffs. We talked some NBA coaches. Uh, let us know what you guys think of the, both the series so far as well as the coaching hires. If we talked about your favorite team, if we talked about your hometown team, let us know what you thought about uh, about the coaching moves and what's going on there. And also, um, Akil, is the lottery rigged? Oh my god. Um maybe. Maybe? Do you think so? Uh the Pisses didn't get the top three picks, so it might be. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it might be. No, I'll I'll tell you what. Cleveland Cleveland didn't if Cleveland would have won it, I would have called it. If if Cleveland would have won it, like, dude, they've been winning that fucking lottery too much. If Cleveland won it, I'd be like, there's a problem for sure. Yeah. But um yeah, it was. Did you watch the lottery or nope. no? Nope. Oh, I actually, I actually did. Uh, I got suckered into watching it. I was like, maybe the Pistons will get the top three, and maybe our our franchise will get this miracle stroke of good luck. But 
didn't happen. They find a way to blow the draft too if they get their top three pick. <laughs> they find a way. Yeah, exactly. They find they find a way to draft another Luke Kennard. Yeah, for sure. Um, Alrighty, man. All right, man. Well, uh, get back to enjoying your summer vacation. Um, I'll have you back on the podcast soon. Some NBA uh, Finals preview. Oh yeah, some NBA Finals preview. I think we I think we'll be there pretty soon. We will be. <laughs> with how with how these series are going, we might be there faster than we expect. Exactly. But um, yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. No problem. Enjoy. Pleasure, enjoy your man. summer. Yeah. And uh, I'll see you soon. All right, All right buddy. See you, buddy. Peace. Deuces. Thank you.